see you. It's good to it's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning and to get to share this time of worship and study. We're going to uh, continue this morning the uh, study that I began several months ago. Um, there we go to talk more about Jesus. Um, I hope it is your desire this morning, and hope, hopefully this is something that's uh, encouraging to you to, and that you have a desire and that these studies help, you, help each of us to know uh, more about Jesus. So I, I really started this to look at a chronological, in chronological order, or to the extent that we can, the life of Jesus, and for that to be a supplement to the study that we're doing in the book of John on, on Wednesday nights. Um, so the greatest story that could ever be told is God's story of love that he's revealed to us in the Bible. And the theme of that story from beginning to end is Jesus Christ. And I hope that as we've gone through these studies, that's become apparent to you. And that's something that, uh, that you'll see more and more. You know, the more that we study the Bible, the more we see Jesus in the Old Testament. And, you know, and that's what Jesus told the Pharisees when he told them, you search the scriptures because in them you think you have eternal life, but recognize that what they testify of is me. The Old Testament was testifying regarding eternal life. It was testifying of Jesus because he is that eternal life and it is in him that we can have eternal life. <clears throat> We've covered to this point events in the life of Christ um, first of all, we talked about in the fullness of time. So God's plan, again, beginning from the, before the beginning of the world, God planned the time that Jesus would appear in this world and that, that the gospel would be unfolded. <clears throat> but that, that happened over the course of the Old Testament. And then we talked about the, the 400 years of silence between the Testaments from the end of Malachi to the beginning of Matthew and what was happening during that period. God was always preparing the world for Christ, and he certainly was doing it during those years of silence. And then we find as the, in the opening verses of the New Testament that the silence is broken. As God begins to make announcements concerning that time of, of his appearing, the time of Christ's appearing is at hand. And he, he reveals uh, to a man named Zacharias that his wife, he and his wife are going to have a child, and that child will be, end up, will be John the Baptist. He will be that forerunner of Christ. And then, then that same angel, Gabriel, reveals to Mary that she, she is going to bear, bear a child, and that child will be the Son of God. And then we see that according to God's plan, uh, Augustus Caesar declared that there would be a tax, I mean a, uh, a uh, census taken, and so people needed to, would have to travel back to their family's uh, origin homeland or city. And for, for Mary and Joseph, this meant traveling to Bethlehem. And of course, this was God's plan, right? Because the prophets told us that Jesus would, that the Christ would be born in Bethlehem. And so we see the fulfillment of that. We see the, the uh, announcement to the, shepherd, uh, to the shepherds as they're in their fields that the Christ child has been born. And then we see the announcement through the star that is given to the Magi, to the Gentiles, to the East, who recognize through the providence of God that this is the, this is the birth of the, he who would be king of the Jews. And so we, we spent some time talking about that. We've talked about Jesus' childhood, that he 
grew up in an obscure place called Nazareth to two very godly people, godly parents. And that a young, at a young age, he recognized his purpose to his father as, as he's 12 years old, travels to Jerusalem and is there discussing the law and the, in the, the, with the uh, doctors of the law and that they are amazed at his knowledge and his wisdom and his parents go, why didn't you return home with us when you were supposed to? And he said, I had to be about my father's business. So we talked about that Jesus recognized at a very young age his, his purpose here in God. We talked a couple of times ago about Christ's ministry before the, uh, the first Passover. So that Jesus at the appointed time, when it was time to begin his personal ministry, traveled from Nazareth to Jordan to the area of Bethabara. And there he is baptized by John the Baptist. And after that, he went into the wilderness and we, that he fasted for 40 days and that he was tempted to the devil. And we spent time talking about that time of his temptation and how he overcame those things, those temptation and in every temptation answered with it is written. And we talked about the importance of the word of God and that God not only prepared the world for Jesus, but prepared his word, his word for us also through the Old Testament, the things that were recorded so that at that time, Jesus could answer the way that we also should answer in our times of trial and of difficulties in this, this life with it is written to recognize that God has answers for us in his word. Uh, we talked about the first disciples of Jesus that were there in Judea, who were many of, several of them were also probably all of them were apostles of John. We talked specifically about Andrew, Peter, Philip, Nathaniel. We talked about John and James were also probably a part of that group. And that this group then returned back to Galilee and we see the first uh, miracle performed by Jesus there at Cana. And then from Cana, the group goes back to Capernaum, and they're there for a short time. And then we see the, the event of the second Passover, or the first Passover, I'm sorry, the first Passover that happens during Jesus's personal ministry. And we've, we've talked about that people measure the, the length of time of Christ's personal ministry by the events of the Passover recorded in the book of John. And that first, that first Passover is recorded there, and immediately after we see Jesus going to Jerusalem. And I mean, what he does there when he arrives uh, is he, he drives out the money changers. And we talked about that last time. Why? That all the time that Jesus was growing up at the, at the uh, Passover, that he and his family probably traveled to Jerusalem, and he saw what was happening there. And, and now as he begins his personal ministry, he declares... God's will in, in, this, in this event that they had, and we talked about that they had turned this into a business. They had turned the, the operation of the temple into a business, and he drove them out and said, you, you'll not make my father's house. It should be a house of prayer. You've turned it into a den of robbers, he says. That got the Jews' attention <laughs> um, immediately. So um, from Judea then, that we talked about that he traveled back to, to Galilee after a period of time. And we talked about that this corresponded around the time that John the Baptist was arrested. And um, not wanting to uh, have encounters with the Pharisees quite yet, Jesus, and his, Jesus travels back uh, to Galilee and to Capernaum. And as he travels, he goes back through uh, Samaria. And we talked about an event that we're very familiar with, the encounter with the woman at the well there in Samaria. Uh, and from there, they went to Capernaum, and Capernaum would be, eventually become kind of the headquarters for Jesus 
and his apostles, his disciples, as they went about ministering, that kind of became home base that they would return to Capernaum. And here we found the, the uh, formal calling of Peter, Andrew, James, and John as they were there fishing. They had begun to follow Jesus, but they had gone back to their occupations. And now Jesus tells them to follow him, and he will make them fishers of men. And we remember the event where they had the great catch of, catch of fish there. And so Jesus had began his, his ministry, and most of his ministry, most of the time, would be spent in Galilee. And we talked about that first year in, the, in teaching and preaching um, and healing uh, throughout Galilee. We talked about the calling of Matthew, so the, another apostle is called, and Matthew the publican. Um, and then uh, in John chapter 5 and verse 1, we, John refers to a feast day which which biblical scholars believe is referring to the Passover. We don't know that for sure. Um, that's kind of what makes the, um, the case that Jesus' personal ministry is three and a half years. That doesn't have to be that way. It could have been two and a half. It could have been four and a half. But uh, most biblical scholars, I believe that this was referring to a, the second Passover uh, during Jesus' personal ministry. So that, that kind of catches us up. To date, and we're, we want to talk and continue that, uh, talking about that this morning, and talk about the events that happened between the second and third Passover. So again, there's four four Passovers, including the one uh, referred to in John chapter five. Uh, when we look at that time frame, it's a it's approximately a period of three and a half years that made up Jesus's personal ministry. And so, beginning at that second Passover, we see that Jesus again returns to Jerusalem. For the Passover. And what happens there is immediately he's confronted by the Pharisees again because he heals a man on the Sabbath day. And we remember there's, there's a man there at the pool of, of Bethesda. And um, as uh, Jesus encounters this man, he asks him if he wants to be healed. Remember the, how the, 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 they believed that when the water was stirred, they had to get to the water. And the first one there would receive healing. And this man had been there for a long time. And he, had, he, was, he, was, uh, he was lame. He couldn't get his, make his way to the pool or he was, he was uh, uh, crippled in a way that he couldn't get himself there. And Jesus asked him if he wants to be healed. And he says, he says yes. And he says, take up your bed and walk. And the man is immediately healed after some 30 years of sitting there in this place. And again, we talked about the miracles of Jesus. And we'll talk about that more here in a minute. But... But what happens is he's carrying his bed. And the Jewish law did not forbid, or the law of God did not forbid someone from carrying their bed on the Sabbath day. But the Pharisees had become uh, obsessed with the Sabbath day. They had written about 100 pages of regulations around the Sabbath day. And when Jesus talked, talked about your, that, that they had um, gone but way beyond God's intentions, that was just an example of, of how, um, again, obsessed they were with making sure that people didn't break God's law, and they had made it so uh, difficult that people couldn't keep that, all the Sabbath day regulations that they, uh, that they wanted to put on people. Well, so, so to give you an example, it was okay if a person was, was crippled that you could pick up that person and their their bed and carry them but you couldn't just pick up the bed and carry it <laughs> so um anyway so you you see how kind of ridiculous things had become 
So this man was carrying his bed, and, and the, the uh, Pharisees saw him and said, hey, you're breaking the, the, the Sabbath day law by carrying your bed. And he said, well, this, the man who healed me told me to pick up my bed and carry it. Um, again, we see, we see Jesus never did anything unintentionally but recognized what was going to happen. And he, was, again, was going to expose uh, their hypocrisy in, in the way that they, they these, these regulations that they um, put on the people, but, but really didn't regard the true law of God. Um, and so he has an encounter there with the Pharisees. And then shortly after that, we see that he and his disciples are walking through a field of grain. And as they're walking through, it's the Sabbath day, and they're pulling off some of that, those heads of grain, and they're rubbing it in their hands, and they're blowing the shaft off, and they're eating that grain. And the Pharisees suddenly appear. Now, it's, how did the Pharisees suddenly appear and see them? It's because they're following them. <clears throat> the Pharisees have sent out spies to follow Jesus and his apostles and, and his disciples. And again, uh, there's this confrontation, and Jesus lets them know through that confrontation that, that when they refer to the temple, he says, there's someone greater than the temple that is here referring to himself. That he is the eternal word of God. He knew God's purpose in the Sabbath day law. And they had no idea what God's purpose in that Sabbath day law was. And he expounds to them why these men are not guilty of breaking God's law, including himself. And tells them in the end that he, that he Jesus, is Lord of the Sabbath also. <clears throat> this is one of the great frictions that happens with the Pharisees. Why? Because... Number one, Jesus questioned their authority, or he, he announced that they really didn't have the authority. The authority belonged to God. They didn't have the authority, but they believed that they had the authority. They, had, they believed they had the authority to enforce these Sabbath day laws and regulations. And when Jesus um, exposed them and their lack of authority, they were very angered at this because they, they wanted that authority. They had, the people had recognized that authority, and now they, now they recognized Jesus' authority in these, manner, in these matters. And so shortly after that, again, Jesus is in a place on the Sabbath day, and there's a man there with a withered hand. And the Pharisees are there, and they know, and then, and they know the man is there, and they're wanting to see if Jesus will heal this man on the Sabbath day. And Jesus looks around at them, they have no compassion for this man. They don't recognize the power of God that is in Jesus to give healing to this man. All they are there for is a way to um, accuse Jesus for breaking one of their regulations, even though I don't think healing was in that hundred pages. It's just something they assumed was a part of that regulation that you couldn't heal on the Sabbath day. And Jesus asked them, he said, if you, had a, if you had an animal that fell in a pit and it was the Sabbath day, you would go get that animal out, wouldn't you? And of course they would. They knew that that was something that was okay. And they said, here's a human being, one of your brothers, who is, who is lame, who needs help. And I have, and the ability to help him is here, to heal something that, you, that is beyond your ability to ever do. And you would say that it would be wrong for me to heal him. And he says to the man, Hold out your hand, and he restored it. So we see this, this is, again, the beginning of this, the second year. And so what happens then is there's increasing persecution from the Jewish leaders. So, again, they're shown up, and Jesus proclaims his authority, and their authority is put down. And so 
their hatred for Jesus continues to grow. Again, they, seek, they send spies out. They're going to send people out to try to trap him in his words. They're going to try to discredit him in the, in the eyes of the people. But ultimately, their desire is to kill him. <clears throat> Shortly after this, we see the, uh, the appointing of the 12 apostles. And so you, you see that full list of the apostles named in Matthew chapter 10, Mark chapter 3, and Luke chapter 6. Also during this, this second year is the, the, Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount. So the, probably the most famous discourse um, of Jesus um, that also happens during this time. A man named John Stott said this about the Sermon on the Mount. He said, it's probably the best known part of Jesus' teachings, though arguably it is the least understood, and certainly it is the least obeyed. It is the nearest thing to a manifesto that he ever uttered, for its own, it is his own description of what he wanted his followers to be and to do. So quite, that's kind of a, a summary of the, of the Sermon on the Mount. Several years ago, we went through that in detail, and we won't do that this morning. But, uh, but, that's, but again, giving a, a reference for the time period, again, this is in that second year, second full year of Jesus' ministry. The other thing that happens in this year is Jesus, on two different occasions, raises people from the dead. So you see the, the miraculous power that is displayed in Jesus. You see that continue to expand. And with that expansion, you see his, his fame spread throughout the world. Someone who raised people from the dead, that word travels fast and it travels wide. And so the, the, the people who seek to see Jesus and to follow Jesus, those crowds just continue to grow and to expand. The other thing that happens during this year is Jesus begins to teach in parables. Um, we've talked a lot about the parables over the last few years. Franklin did a series on, on the parables. Uh, we've talked about why Jesus taught in parables. Um, and really that in a, in a, in a short summary is it was to separate those who were truly seeking the wisdom of God that Jesus brought and those who were just casually, um, curious and also those who were simply his enemies who were seeking a way to trip him up. So, the, the, all of these things kind of start happening around the same time. The other thing that, uh, a couple of other events that happened during this year, we see Jesus calm the storm when he and the, 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 the apostles are out on the, the, the boat in the, uh, um, the Sea of Galilee and the storm comes up and they are, they're afraid that the ship is going to sink and Jesus is asleep and they say, they wake him up, Lord, don't you care that we perish? And Jesus stands up and he, he says to the sea and to the wind, he says, peace be still. And there was a great calm. And they questioned themselves, what manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? It was only his apostles who were present for this event. And Jesus was teaching them just as he was teaching the world through the miraculous things that he did, who he was, so that they would know with assurance who he was. During this period of time, we find that, that John the Baptist is executed. So the death of John happens during this period of time. We see the limited commissions where Jesus sends the apostles out to the cities of Israel to preach the kingdom of heaven. So he's, he's, he's preparing them for their work of preaching the gospel, to go out and preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he gives them instructions. And so that also happens during this period. So that's a quick summary of the events that happened during the second full year of Jesus' ministry. The last, 
last month when I spoke, we talked specifically about the miracles of Jesus. And just quickly to um, review, uh, there, were, there were approximately 34 specific miracles uh, recorded that Jesus performed in the Gospels, not counting Jesus' resurrection. The miracles showed his authority over the created world, over weather, gravity, walking on water, calming the sea, physical illness and disability, uh, and the spiritual realm in, in relieving those who were possessed of demons. So we see all of these things that, told, that showed us the power that, of the Holy Spirit that was in Jesus. Why did he perform miracles? We talked about that it was a fulfillment of prophecy, that it was Jesus had compassion on those who were in distress. But primarily the purpose was to declare who he is, that he is truly God with us, the Son of God. <clears throat> What were the characteristics of his miracles? We asked these questions. They were truly miraculous. They were God's supernatural power working in the natural world in a way that could not be attributed to natural law or human effort, and they could not be denied. Those who witnessed the miracles of Jesus could not deny that they were supernatural and that they were only, could only be performed by the power of God. And we specifically looked at an event where Jesus healed a man who had been lame for many years and his friends let him down through the roof and and when they let him down Jesus uh, healed him but we remember well so specific things his we we see that his healing was immediate this was a man who had been lame for many years and all of a sudden the strength of his body is restored um, his muscles his bones the strength of them is restored so that he can walk and 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 carry his bed normally and that's I mean if, if you've ever been bedridden for any period of time, you recognize that's, 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 a, that's miraculous. That his, his healing was complete and it was convincing. So all of those things, that, that, uh, those things could not be denied. You know, the other thing that we see, though, in the purpose of Jesus' healing, again, was to declare who he, who he is. Um, and we talked specifically in that event that when Jesus, before he healed the man, he pronounced to him, he said, your sins are forgiven. And those Pharisees about came out of their chairs because they were going, who is, the, who is this claiming the authority to forgive sins? Who is this who has the power to heal a man completely who has been lame for many years? Only by the power of God could those things be done. The reaction to his miracles, number one, people were amazed. The scripture says they were astonished. They were full of awe. They glorified God. They recognized the source of the power of the miraculous things that he did. They were filled with fear. Why? Because recognizing God's power, seeing firsthand God's power and control over the things of this world, they recognized their accountability to him, that he truly is God, that he truly is in control. For a little while, as we conclude today, I want to talk about the words of Jesus. So we talked about the miracles of Jesus, the place that they played in his personal ministry. Uh, nothing more important in that personal ministry than the words of Jesus. Um, when we look at the accounts in the Gospels, there are several long discourses, the longest of those probably being the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, there's also Matthew chapter 23 and 24 and 25, uh, where Jesus talks about... Um, prophesies about the, uh, the coming destruction of Jerusalem. He talks about the, the final judgment. Um, there's all, also, we talked about he, he spoke in parables during this time. You know, if we look specifically at parables, there were, he's, there's approximately 30 major 
parables and probably a lot more that we would not recognize necessarily as, as a major parable uh, throughout Jesus' teaching. Um, they're in specific or kind of people have classified them into, into categories. One, the first one would be the, the kingdom. So a lot of his parables were about the kingdom. And he ta- for example, he talked about the parable of the sower and the, and the seed and the word of God. Seeking the lost, we recognize the, the parable of the prodigal son. Forgiveness and mercy, uh, the unmerciful servant uh, who, who had been forgiven by his master but refused to forgive his fellow servant. We remember that parable. The, the Pharisee and the publican, um, that one on prayer. Uh, stewardship, the uh, parable of the talents. Service, the good Samaritan, we, we recognize that one. Preparation. The ten virgins, those who were wise and those who were foolish. Those who were wise were always prepared, and those who were foolish were not prepared. So just a quick overview of, of, of the parables. Um, but a lot, a lot of Jesus' teaching was simply informal teaching in the moment. And we talked about where the event where he healed the man. Um, and what did he teach? He taught that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He was... You see, everybody in the world needs to know who Jesus is. Everybody needs to know that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the only way to salvation, including those hard-hearted Jews who were sitting there with him. And he was giving them an opportunity to know and recognize who he was. By declaring his, ability, his power, his authority to forgive sins, and then displaying through the power that was in him, through the Holy Spirit, to, to heal this man so that they should recognize who he was. But in the hardness of their hearts, they would not. And therefore, they refused to themselves the kingdom of God. But everyone needs to know that. The things that Jesus taught were to declare God's will and purpose and who he was. To instruct the people in God's ways and to correct erroneous thinking about God. What were the reactions to Jesus' teachings? We're going to look at just a few examples. In Matthew chapter 7, at the conclusion of the Um, Sermon on the Mount, it says, And it was when Jesus had ended these things that the people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. When the scribes taught, they would say, And Rabbi so-and-so says this, and Rabbi so-and-so says this, but Jesus said, But I say unto you, I say unto you. Jesus spoke with authority because he was the eternal word. He was God with us, the Son of God. John chapter 3, Nicodemus, when Nicodemus came to Jesus, what did he say? Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs unless God is with you. We know that you are a teacher. He recognized the power of God in Jesus and in his words. In John chapter 7, we find again that the Pharisees on this occasion were seeking to arrest Jesus, and they had sent officers he was in there in Jerusalem. They sent them out to arrest him. But when they, when they confronted Jesus and he spoke to them, it says that none of them could, would lay a hand on him. But the scripture also says because it was not his time. And the time was not yet. And we see that constant reference in the life of Jesus that what is always out there on the horizon is the cross. The purpose for what Jesus came. That he recognized throughout his ministry, but that time was not yet. But the officers came to the chief priests and the Pharisees who said to them, We have not, why have you not brought him? We sent you to arrest him. Why didn't you bring him? And listen to their answer. The officers answered, No man ever spoke like this man. 
No man ever spoke like this man. We, we were not privileged to, to witness the words of Jesus in, per, in person, but we have his words recorded for us. And we can say the same thing. There is no wisdom in the world that would even compare to the wisdom of Jesus that we have given to us in God's word. Also, we find in Luke chapter 20 that after months of confronting Jesus and attempting to trip him up in his words or to find fault or sin in him, Luke chapter 20 says this was their last effort. But after that, they dared not question him anymore. They went away defeated. Every time they went away defeated. And finally, they accepted that defeat and the ability to trip Jesus up. But they did not give up on what they really wanted to do, and that was to put Jesus to death. Listen to the words of the Apostle Peter in John chapter 6. When Jesus had spoken words for it that the Scripture says was hard for them to hear, when he talked about his, his flesh and his blood, and he talked about that his flesh was meat indeed, that his blood was drink indeed, and talking in spiritual sense about that, that we, what we celebrate with the, uh, the Lord's Supper, on the first day of the week and, and partaking of the bread and the, and the fruit of the vine. And Jesus, when, when many of them turned and they walked no more with him, Jesus turned to the 12 and he said, will you also go away? But Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? What did Peter recognize? And the other apostles, you have the words of eternal life, the words of Jesus. What did Jesus say about his own words? <clears throat> John chapter 14 and verse 10, Jesus said, The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. The words that Jesus spoke, he spoke by the authority of the Father. Matthew 24 and 35, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Mark chapter 8 and verse 38 for whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. John 12 and 48, Jesus said, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. How important are the words of Jesus? He who does not love me does not keep my words. And the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father who sent me. John 14 and 24. John 15 and 7. If you abide in me and listen, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. The words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. The words of Jesus. And we're going to conclude now with looking at some specific words of Jesus uh, in Matthew chapter 7. If you've there in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 21, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Who did Jesus say would enter the kingdom? He said, Those who do the will of the Father. How do we know the will of the Father? Again, John chapter 14, 24, Jesus said, He who does not love me, Listen, does not keep my words, and the word which you hear, which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Who will enter the kingdom of heaven? He who does the will of the Father which is in heaven. How do we know the will of the Father which is in heaven? Because they were declared to us through the words of Jesus, the words of Christ. Many will say unto me in that day, Lord, Lord, we have prophesied in your name, and we have cast out demons in your name, and we have done many wonders in your name. 
And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. That's, that's, a, tough, that's a tough saying. What is Jesus saying? He said in, in the last day, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say, Lord, we have done a lot of wonderful things in your name. And Jesus said, and I'm going to say to them, depart from me because I never knew you. Why did, they never, why did Jesus never know, know them? The last part of that sentence, you who practice lawlessness. Whose law? God's law. They did not, res- those people, the, the people that Jesus is referring to did not respect or keep the law of God. You know, when I, when I read this, I think about Saul in the Old Testament, King Saul. <clears throat> you, you remember the event when King Saul was rejected from being king over Israel. Saul made, made two errors that, that caused him the kingdom, the second of which was God had given, given him specific instructions to go out and destroy a sinful people. And he said, you destroy them, you don't, you don't leave any alive, and you destroy their livestock, you don't bring anything back. And Saul took his army and he went to do what God had told him to do. But in the course of doing that, Saul had changed the plan. <clears throat> Instead of utterly destroying the people, he brought their king back with them. And instead of destroying all the livestock, he listened to the people who were with him who said, you know what, there's some pretty nice livestock here. We should take these back and offer them as a sacrifice to God. And so when Saul was coming back, he was happy because he felt like not only had he sort of done what God had asked him to do, he was actually bringing things back to sacrifice to God. <clears throat> and you know what happened? God sent Samuel to him, he said, Samuel, go meet Saul. He has refused to do what I sent him to do. Well, you think about it. He had sort of done what, he had done partially what God had sent him to do. But in the end, what had he done? He had not respected the command of God. He had not kept God's command to the, to the point of which he had commanded him. He had decided it was more, you know, it was more, um, it was better for him or better for the people that he kind of changed, you know, he, 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 he gave in to peer pressure to not do exactly what God had told him. And because that, he was rejected from being king. He said, he said to Samuel as he approached, he said, favor to the Lord. He said, he said, I have done the will of God. And Samuel said, no, you haven't. He said, if you've done the will of God, why do I hear the lowing of sheep and the lowing of oxen? What are these animals that you, you did not do what God had told you to do? Jesus said, those who practice lawlessness, those who do not respect and honor God's law to keep his commands as they're presented to us. <clears throat> Again, 1 John chapter 2 and verse 3 says this, Now this by this we know that we know him. If we keep his commandments, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whosoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. And listen, and by this we know that we are in him. Humble submission to the will of God, to accept God's commands and to do them as he's given them to us is simply to obey. And that, that is the simple um, obedience that God is looking for from us. God, we don't need to try to do a great thing for God by coming up with ways that we can do marvelous things, but we simply need to understand and do the things that God has commanded us to do. 
Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So Jesus ends here with a, with a parable. Whoever hears these sayings of mine, the words of Jesus, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. We all recognize the parable. The importance of building it. If we build a house, we've got to have a foundation. We don't build it on the shifting sand because that, that's, it's never going to stand. But we, we want to make sure that our building is, is uh, fastened to a firm foundation so it doesn't move. And Jesus said, this is you, this is your spiritual man. This is your spiritual person. This is your spiritual life. You need to build it on the foundation of the words that I have told you. And not only do you need to hear those words and know those words, you need to do them. There's, so the parable is simply, in a very simple fashion, this is, the, uh, this is the parable. Number one, know the words of Jesus. Do you know the words of Jesus? <clears throat> if you don't know the words of Jesus, why don't you know the words of Jesus? That would be the question. You see, because God's word is very available to us. Jesus' words are there for us to, to find and to read and to search and to, under, and to gain an understanding of. You know, the proverb says that wisdom calls out into the streets and it tells, tells people to turn in here and find life. And that's what the word of God does and the gospel of Jesus does, to know the words of Jesus. Why wouldn't we know the words of Jesus? People who don't believe in Jesus will not know the words of Jesus, or people to whom they don't deem them important will not know the words of Jesus. What motivates people to know the words of Jesus? What motivates me and you to know the words of Jesus? Secondly, first, we need to know the words of Jesus. If you want your life, your spiritual life built upon the rock, know the words of Jesus. Number two, do what Jesus says. Do the things that Jesus says. That's very simple, isn't it? It sounds very simple. You know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about Franklin's lesson last week when he said, you know, we need to have a radical, you need a radical belief. You see, because there are going to be times it's going to be difficult for you to do the things that Jesus has told us to do. Even though it's simply to, to know the words and to obey seems very simple, there's going to be a lot of challenges in that process. And there are going to be times that it's going to be very difficult or it's going to, it's, we're going to have great difficulty in doing that. But I really like what, what Franklin says, that in those times when our faith is challenged, you need to have a radical belief. And, you know, when you think about the Apostle Peter, when everyone else had left and Jesus said, do you want to go away also? And he said, to whom shall we go, Lord, because you have the words of eternal life. He had a, as Franklin described, a radical belief in Jesus. We need to have that radical belief belief in Jesus that will allow us to obey the words of Jesus no matter what the circumstances. In doing those things that we can stand fast in the storm and understand there's, the storm is coming. <clears throat> the storms of life are coming and we can be prepared to stand in those things by knowing the words of Jesus and doing what he says. Never knowing the minds of those present this morning, if you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ, <clears throat> if you have heard the words of Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that according to God's eternal plan at the appointed time he came into this world, 
that he lived as a man, that he bore the sins of all of mankind to the cross and paid the eternal price there for our sins. If you would like to recognize your sins being taken away by the blood of Jesus Christ, if you would like to have that happen for you this morning, would you confess your belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried with him in baptism, to be raised to walk in newness of life? If we can assist you with that or with prayers, we would invite you to come forward while we stand and sing the song that's been selected.